Lock on transporters. Beam us up. Scotty. If everything goes according to plan, come beam us up. Captain, beam me up. Hello and welcome to Pot Me Up Scotty, a podcast where we rewatch all of Star Trek in chronological order. I am Andrea. And I am Oshin. And today we're discussing Enterprise Season 2, Episode 15, Ceasefire, where Captain Archer is asked to negotiate between the Anorians and the Vulcans who are fighting over a small planet. Trigger warning! We are pretty much going to be discussing the Palestinian conflict. So if that's not something that you are interested in, because we are being bombarded with it in the media, that's fair. If you don't want to listen to it because you're pro-Israel, bye-bye. We don't want you here anyway. So yeah, just a content warning, because we will be talking about that and that kind of content. Yep. Okay, so the Vulcans suck. Yep. End of episode. Okay. Thank you for... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Vulcans suck us. And the more that we learn from them, the more that they suck. Yeah. This must have been a really weird or strange series at the time that it came out. Because my impressions of the Vulcans up until now, and I watched all the 90s shows... Next Generation, Voyager, Deep Space Nine. I think Vulcans appear in them all, but they've never been portrayed as shitty (laughs) as this before. Yeah. And obviously Spock is one of the most well-regarded Star Trek characters, and he's a Vulcan. I don't think, yeah, and you cannot think that Spock would be in favor of what happens in this episode. Like, I don't think he would be okay with no. just killing Andorians. I'm curious when we get to those later series. I'm looking forward to watching those with this new lens of what's occurred in Enterprise to see was that there all the time and Enterprise are actually building and just exploring that? Or did someone just decide, let's make Vulcan bad guys? Yeah, because it would be so easy to introduce a species to blame without making it the Vulcans. Yeah, I think it's interesting though. I think it definitely makes it more interesting because cultures, they're not black and white. Societies and races aren't black and white, evil or bad. And so it is interesting to introduce this dynamic. And even after last week, it's something we didn't touch upon when we were discussing the mind melds. I mean, I've seen two separate Vulcans in Star Trek before Enterprise do the mind melds, and again, my memory is not perfect, but I don't recall them ever mentioning that they were part of a minority, or an oppressed minority at the very least. Certainly, when we discussed fusion, I remember saying that the mind meld, my understanding was that it was done between Vulcans, and that it was a kind of sacred or rare thing to do between Vulcans and they didn't like doing it on non-Vulcans but I certainly never had this impression that it was I suppose frowned upon 
in the way that it is in last week's episode. So I think it's a really interesting dynamic because, I mean, obviously, look, look, this series follows Enterprise, a crew of humans, and you and I are well familiar with how evil humans can be as well. Are we? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, actually, you're right. Sorry, we're perfect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, humans suck even more than Vulcans because Vulcans don't exist. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can do whatever the fuck they want. Um... Yeah, I think maybe they were playing with this was set in the past between this and the original series. There's a bit of time. I would say maybe a hundred years or so. So maybe they're playing with that. Maybe they're being like, see, <laughs> even Vulcans suck at one point. And a hundred years would be a generation on Earth in human, but we know Vulcans live longer, so is 100 years even that much time for that change to occur? I don't know. I don't know. But that's the only thing I could blame it on. Yeah, possibly. Um, but also there's a, there's a large gap between Enterprise and the next Star Trek project. I think Enterprise is, ends in 2004, maybe, and then what, five years until the Star Trek movie in 2009 and the next series is Discovery, right? Maybe I'm missing yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean... And I'm wondering, like, Enterprise doesn't have a good reputation among the Star Trek fandom. No. And I'm wondering... What do you mean? It's one of the most <laughs> famous shows that everybody has watched before. Um, yeah, but I'm wondering if that is because of certain decisions and angles it takes with the Vulcans. I'd, I'd like to, as I said, when I go back, when when this is over, I'm going to do a lot of research on the show. And one of the things, aside from what the fuck were they thinking with uh, Archer and Paul, is was there a backlash to this portrayal of Vulcans? I mean, that would be interesting to delve into, but I don't know. I mean, you know, I think you know, I think I told you when I watched this for the first time. That the ending is not canon for me and for many other fans of the show. Yeah, let's not talk about it yet. Yes. I'm no, aware. but but I've told you that sentence yes. before. I didn't tell you why, but I I've told you this that sentence before. So I think many people take the stance of this show is not canon. Right. Like most of it, because there are things that are mentioned before, like Porthos being in the ship has been mentioned in other shows before this. Okay. So it, it's a nice thing that they actually put a, a dog up in space but i think that for the most part maybe people didn't care to watch it or they just watch it and was like this doesn't sit right with me this isn't the vulcans that i know and love and they can be a little stuck up but definitely not genocidal yeah so okay talking about the episode yeah obviously i'm with the andorians obviously the same way I'm with Palestine, and I'm not scared to say it. <laughs> but I don't understand. Okay, Vulcans are supposed to be void of emotion, right? Right. What logic is there to try? Like, it's just fear. Because if the only reason you have for going to a planet that these people are living on, and these people are making a habitable, because it wasn't before, the only reason that you're going there is because you think that they're setting up a, a surveillance post or military post is because you're scared. 
and then you're a shitty Vulcan that just because you're scared that these people are doing something instead of approaching it logically which they pride themselves on they're going to war with a group of people that are not prepared for said war like they are in a tiny planet with no resources or anything like so my question is if they are supposed to be logical because that's what we've been told about Vulcans and I'm still yet to see an emotionless Vulcan that doesn't exist why why because for for humans like in the actual israeli conflict with palestine we can argue humans are not logical so yeah money drives things and emotions drive things and religion drives things so for humans i don't have that question because we know why because humans are evil and they just want what well, they we're selfish so it it does like it doesn't surprise it it does surprise me that it's been going on for like a thousand years. It's not a thousand years, but you know. But for Vulcans, it's like, <laughs> sir, aren't you supposed to be the logical one? Why are you at war? Why is the logical people at war? Yeah. When logic says don't like that's what We're, you're killing people. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Uh, I'm just gonna correct you because you've corrected me on this before, and I also. Don't want people to think these people aren't Star Trek fans, but obviously they just repress their emotions. They're not completely emotionless. Yeah, I know. But yeah, once again, we have an. But episode... they're they, they're making a very shitty job of repressing every emotion because you, they say they're supposed to be emotionless because they repress their emotions, so they don't have them. I'm seeing them. Yeah. Every episode, I'm seeing them constantly contradicting themselves and falling into hypocrisy on this whole emotion thing. Its sole value is its strategic location near Vulcan space. You were setting up a military base? It was the only logical conclusion. Was there any evidence? How much evidence would you need if the Klingons decided to set up a colony on Pluto? No. I mean, if you have no evidence, then it's not based on logic. It's right. just based on your own fear. Which, we, by the end of the episode, we still don't have prove that that's what they were doing before they were attacked no like maybe they just like the planet <laughs> yeah and wanted to live there so and then when saval first arrives to discuss this with archer he's clearly annoyed like he's clearly unhappy and annoyed with archer that archer is being asked to do this and that oh it's another human interference in vulcan affairs he has a conversation with Duvall, which we'll come back to later, but I'm just bringing it up now because, again, he's discussing how she's become infected by human emotions. And all of his arguments countering her are suggesting that she should leave Enterprise and progress her career. Again, they're all pretty much based in emotion, in his emotions towards her. Yep. And he criticizes... This, this is the one that really annoys me. He criticizes her for having the arrogance to assume she knows better than the high command but that shows a deep level of arrogance on behalf of himself and the high command as well yeah like that in itself is a really arrogant statement yeah i think that they just need a rebrand vulcans need to rebrand <laughs> let go of the repressing emotions and just say i'm angry all of the time yeah i'm angry a hundred percent of the time yeah that's vulcans yeah Talking more specifically then just about the actual plot of this episode, 
obviously it is extremely relevant to, to current events. We didn't plan this. Sadly. <laughs> yeah, this is not what we would have been covering <laughs> if we had known. But we said we'd do it in chronological order. And I mean, it is why we like Star Trek, because it does get political right. and it does discuss these issues. It's just unfortunate that it is actually very relevant to what's going on at the moment. I think this episode does lack follow through. I think it sets out to be an analogy for these kinds of conflicts. And obviously Israel-Palestine is the one that comes to mind at the moment. And we, and we did check before we started recording because I got the feeling that it was about the Palestinian-Israeli mm. conflict. And this aired in February 2002. Uh, like, there, was, there, were, there were things happening between Palestine and, and Israel. It's also 2002. I mean, let's just say this could be about any territorial conflict in human Yeah, history. I mean, I was going to say, 9-11 just happened a few months ago when this aired. So it could be about anything. It's just interesting that the United States of America is involved in all of them. Yeah. Whatever it is, they are there. Name a 10-year period in human history when there wasn't some sort of territorial conflict going on somewhere. Um, yeah. That's my answer. <laughs> what's what's uh, a 10-year period? Well, sadly, when God made everything, it wasn't <laughs> 10 years, so... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah, I did feel it lacked a certain, as I said, follow through because this episode starts with Archer being asked to act as mediator between the negotiations and this episode ends. They only literally get to the negotiating table at the end of this episode. We don't hear any of the negotiations we don't really get any kind of resolution on the conflict. And obviously, I don't think they, they would have been able to do that in one episode anyway. But I think it would have been a disservice to make it in one episode. Yeah, absolutely. But I think this episode still is political and acts as an analogy for these kind of conflicts on a very surface level without actually delving into it. And, you know, it's not something that I think either of us are, are fully qualified to delve into properly either. Not me. Yeah, exactly. But if you're going to do this, I think you owe it a bit more than that. Yeah, as I said, it ends with them actually at the table. We don't hear any negotiation. Yeah, we don't get any sense of resolution, which is unfortunate. And I would have liked something. And I know next week, I would imagine we're just going to return, just Enterprise being back out in their exploring mission. And this is all in the past, in the rear window. Yeah, but I mean... It's two big species in, in the show. We will know about it more. Yeah, we will come back to it at some point. Because the Vulcans I've heard of before this show can't recall hearing about the Andorians, so I have I think vaguely I may have seen them somewhere, but I don't I can't remember the context. I think we talked about it when they first came out, but I think they were in Discovery. Okay. We'll see. It doesn't matter because for this show they are important. So they should come back to it. I think so. We don't know if the next episode is a part two, do we? Well, usually they name them part one and part two. This wasn't. Right. Yeah, I I think the plot line or device whereby Archer's ship with the ambassador is shot down, it feels like a delaying tactic in actually having a story that deals with this. I get your point, but 
I don't know. This is like Pride and Prejudice. Not the movie or the book, but like literally Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. As the, the emotions. So it's interesting to see the Vulcans Pride and Prejudice against these people. Which, at the end of the day, they were right. They were shot by Andorians. But it wasn't because they had orders to shoot. It was like a faction, basically Hamas. Well, I don't... I want to say, I don't know about Hamas's end goal. I'm not educated enough. Like, if they just don't want any dialogue between Israel... You know, like, in this episode, we had the person that wanted a dialogue and wanted to solve this peacefully, and then these guys that didn't want that, and they just wanted the land because it was theirs. So I don't know if Hamas is the same. Maybe Hamas is willing to have a discussion. And I don't know. I want to make that clear. But basically, they are not... Like, they want the same thing in the show, the two Andorian factions... But one of them wants things peacefully and no no shots fired. And then the other one is like, they're not going to listen to us if we're not making them listen. Let's take it back to this episode because the conflict in this episode, there was an uninhabitable planet on the edge of the Vulcan system and the Endorians decided to terraform it. Um, the Vulcan had made no claim on this planet, and out of pure fear, they decided to forcibly remove the Endorians. And they're not even making use of the planet themselves now. They literally just are saying, you can't have it. We don't want it, but you can't have it. And as we said, it's not based in any logic, and it makes no sense, and it does not fall within any race or nation right to defend themselves to say you can't live there. And there's an interesting comparison that Paul raises whereby oh if Earth Earth and human wouldn't be happy if Klingons decided to set up a, a settlement on, on Pluto? No, we wouldn't. I mean in, in the universe of Star Trek, absolutely not. And in real life if suddenly Klingons existed yeah. and they were in Pluto, I'd be worried. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> Personally. in real life, we definitely would have no right to object to that because we right. haven't even reached Mars, <laughs> you know, right. so we definitely have no claim on Pluto. But in Enterprise, again, assuming there's no human settlement on Pluto, and that's why they used it as an example, humans would have no right to say to Klingons, you can't settle on this planet because... It's near us. <laughs> it's not ours. <laughs> if they got to it first and claimed it, they got it. <laughs> right. And I don't think that the first reaction human humans in Star Trek would have would be to attack them. Well, also, I mean, this is it. Because as we now know, humans got rid of bigotry 100 years ago. So right. we probably just come closer. Come come to come to Jupiter. Yeah. Come to Saturn. <laughs> well, Ju- Jupiter and Saturn are gas planets. so they would have to be they could lurk in them Mars is the next closest I think Mars is too close for comfort with the Klingons I think Pluto is fine they can keep Pluto 
they wanted to come to Mars, though, we wouldn't have the right to stop them. We don't, no, we we wouldn't have the right to stop them, but I would rather they stay in Pluto. Yeah, we personally. would rather they stay in Pluto, but it wouldn't, you know. But yeah, also, it's funny how when we first meet the Andorians, we are we were being told that they are an aggressive and... What's the word? Volatile. Yeah, volatile. Like, yeah. Like, they get angry and yeah. you can't expect... You don't know what to expect, right? So that's the notion that the Vulcans have of them because of God knows what happened in their past before this conflict. But what we have been shown is that, yeah, they're angry, but they're angry for a reason because... So Vulcans had a surveillance post looking at them and spying on them. Vulcans have attacked their planet that they terraformed to make livable. And I'm sure there's more things. Yeah. <laughs> We're not really clued in on the wider context of this conflict with the Endurance. Like, this isn't the first instance, but taking this instance alone. Yeah, but everything we know about the Andorians is that they're angry at Vulcan people because they've been attacked before. <laughs> like, they have reason to be suspicious of them because they were spying on them and you know like they were proven right and now in this case we don't know again we don't know the origin of it maybe but for what we have been told in this episode they just were attacked and Vulcans just didn't like that they were there and they didn't want them there so they attacked them so if Klingons were to inhabit Pluto before humans had any claim to it personally for what I've heard of the Klingons I wouldn't attack them at all I would try to bring them cookies and <laughs> be like, do you want to be in an alliance? <laughs> um, so if, if Vulcans really thought that these people were crazy and angry and dangerous and volatile, why not befriend them? You don't want them on your bad side. Just befriend them. Just be like, hey... Is it okay if you that are in the edge of the Vulcan and Dorian territories just keep an eye out for anything that may harm us too? And there there it is, conflict solved. Yeah. Before it started. I don't think it would work now, but I think that ship has sailed. So, Andrea. Yes. Is Chapal right? No. I can't, my first sentence of the episode cannot be Vulcan suck. Yeah. <laughs> and then be like, but the ball's <laughs> alright. I think they do do well in this episode though to actually avoid having to Paul express an outright positioning opinion. positioning her. Yeah. Like she answers all their questions and she gives them a background of the situation and there are Hints. I mean, we kind of see that she's pro-Vulcan. Yeah. But at the same time, the trust that she has in Captain Archer makes you think that maybe she's reconsidering. Yeah, and she's obviously... Well, I mean, she was, I presume she was ordered to act as right. his advisor, but she doesn't object to this of all going down. And as we've seen before, she has had no problem objecting to Archer's stances in the past. So, funny thing with brainwashing, you don't realize it's happening. If you do, it's not brainwashing and you're just a dick. I think there's a component of brainwashing that is ignorance. And I'm not just talking about 
this episode or war conflict, but like religion or oh, in general. Cults. I mean, yeah, yeah. This is why the Nazis did book burnings, and this is why conservatives right. always target education. Right. So information control, which is that burning books, <laughs> you don't have access to information, but like information control makes you blind to anything else. So you're like, oh, so this is the only option I have. And I might as well like it because that's the option that I have. So with brainwashing in this episode, I'm not talking about real life events and any correlation to real life events. It's by chance. I'm not saying anything about anybody that exists in real life. But in this episode, Vulcans have been a little bit brainwashed by the high command and the science directorate to think that they are superior in some way because they are Able to repress emotions, quote-unquote. I am still to see that. So I think T'Pol is going through a very normal case of realizing the brainwashing and being informed from other sources and gathering information from other sources that are not the ones that she's been spoon-fed for how many, however, however many years she's been there. So she's met a human... We have a different perspective than her. So that's one thing. Another, we have a, a different moral compass and we have emotions and we are not scared to use them, basically. Yeah. And that is making her question things that she took for granted. She took for granted that they were right in claiming this planet and that these people are not great and that they deserve not to have the planet and... To be, live in fear that Vulcans are listening to them. And now I want to believe she's slowly realizing that that is not true. That they don't have the superiority over these people just because they evolved before, got to warp before. I don't know their excuse. But yeah, she's breaking through. So she's still pro-Vulcan because that's what she's been told. But she's like, okay, hmm, maybe I'm not so right. I think so. And I think they're doing it well because we've had this discussion before about the humanification of Vulcans and Paul. And she's not becoming an emotional Vulcan. She's still remaining very stoic and logical, but her perspective is changing. Not so much right. her personality or her character. And it is that, yeah, I mean, because education doesn't just come in the form of books or schools. It comes from interacting with people with different viewpoints and different cultures. And I think that's what's happening, is that she's being exposed to a different culture, to a human culture, for much longer than any Vulcan has in the past. And... It's not so much, as Saval says, that our emotions are rubbing off on her. It's just that she's gaining this other perspective and on how... Because we, we humans obviously approach life very differently than Vulcans. Yeah. Do you have more points? Um, I think about what we were saying just now. when uh, That you mentioned before. When Saval... Is judging her basically for having changed, and she's like, "Well, no, 
Like I just respect Archer now. Like she she mentions respect. I find the word gratifying. Gratification is an emotional indulgence. You disagreed with our recommendation that Archer's mission be canceled after the tragedy at Paraga 2. Why? I was on board Enterprise at the time. I felt my opinion would be welcomed. You believed you knew better than the High Command? That sounds a great deal like another emotion. Arrogance. Perhaps it's time for you to consider another assignment. Just because Captain Archer has earned my respect doesn't mean I've been contaminated by his emotions. And I think that's what we're talking about. Like, she respects him to understand that they have different points of view and she's working for him now. So there's a, a matter of respecting the the chain of command, but also in a personal level, since they have tried to shove their pairings down our throats. There's a component also of respecting him as a person, which we, I think, have been able to see more this second season from conversations they've had. And it's weird to me that Soval doesn't get that, but you can't respect someone without becoming them, because she's not. As you said, she's still very stoic. She's very much Vulcan. The only thing is that she's questioning things that before she maybe wouldn't have questioned. Yeah, and it's strange as well because Saval is an ambassador and we've seen an ambassador in a previous episode who has not been this repressed and has been a bit more loose with Vulcan ideology. I think you should be loose as an ambassador. Yeah, I think as an ambassador, as a diplomat, as we've seen, your role isn't to enforce your culture and live your ways on other cultures. It's to integrate and be diplomatic and respect other cultures and other perspectives. And I, I don't think Saval is a very good ambassador. Well, maybe he is now. They're talking. They are talking. He is willing to go down to the planet to to meet with Commander uh, Schwan. Yep. And yeah, I mean, I think we do see some compromise from the Vulcans. They drank alcohol. Yeah, they did. I didn't know that they never drank alcohol. I, I wasn't aware that they didn't. But I also, when, when they mentioned it, it didn't surprise me either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, alcohol is a, it's a thing that it will make you emotional. Yeah, so why it, would it, you? it takes away your inhibitors. So, yeah. Oh, imagine a drunk Vulcan. Would a, a drunk Vulcan be just human? I'm sure we'll see at some stage. I've no doubt Star Trek has done a comedy drunk Vulcan episode. My My last kind of point on the actual plot of the episode... I felt that the ending of the episode with Archer updating Trip over comms, it felt very staged and unnatural. Like, oh, here's a brief summary of how everything's going before we move on to next week. <laughs> <laughs> Just putting a nice little bow on top of the episode. Yeah, exactly. I guess. I guess it could be performative. I mean, that brings us on to another aspect of this episode. How do you feel Tripp did as acting captain? He did good, I think. He put himself in the middle of a shooting range. 
I I love script this episode. <gasps> because I'm so proud of you. <laughs> because Archer is I'm scared to say what I think because I'm biased anyway. So. Yeah, of course. Um Archer is acting as the diplomat, captain, he has to remain even-handed, as they say, uh, whereas Trip is very open, open with his disdain for the Vulcans and their approach to this whole matter. There's a moment when Saval is discussing when the Andorians returned to the planet on this occasion that we arrive at. Six days ago, an Andorian regimental commander named Shran landed a force on Pon Makar and occupied the settlement. Naturally, we attempted to enforce the Treaty of 2097. Naturally. And the way that Trick just repeats, naturally, <laughs> with such, like, dis- disdain and sarcasm. I loved it. I liked his taking his stance in the final climactic moments where he's putting Enterprise between the two factions, yep. or the two races. And it stood out as another reminder of why the previous episode where we saw him as acting captain being all indecisive and comedic it just stood out to more it how didn't out of character that was yeah because we see him here being very decisive making huge decisions huge decisions that could put the enterprise at risk all of the enterprise yeah, yeah. and now to my biased friend Andrea. I have nothing else to add. You said it perfectly. Trip is perfect and has never done anything wrong. That's what you said, right? Yeah, in, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, he's great. He's great. And yeah, this is a, it's a huge, huge episode for Starfleet. Because as the Admiral says at the beginning, this is a big step for us acting as a mediator between these races. And any race. Any race, yeah. It could set out a template for what Starfleet becomes in future. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh! <laughs> um, and also he says this is the first time the Vulcans have asked for help. Yeah. I bet that felt so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I would have been like, oh, you need our help? <gasps> Let me tell you. That is fantastic. Of course we'll help you. Bye. <laughs> so I have questions, but I won't make questions. Go ahead. Enterprise has been exploring for over a year and traveling further and further away from... Are you going to talk about the delay of the call? No. No, I'm going to talk oh. about the fact that it only took them an episode to get back to the Vulcan system. Well, maybe they haven't been going in a straight line. Maybe. But also the phone call, why is there no delay? Yeah, let's, let's not, <laughs> Andrew. We can do this every episode. <laughs> We're just going to have to It's accept. the science that bothers me and I'm not even a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> like, not just the Martian, but every space movie. Yeah. When they have to communicate with Earth in the solar system, there's like a six-minute delay between the information going, yeah, but that would be receiving, such a, that would be so boring back. to watch. Right. <laughs> then don't have a video call. 
How good is the Enterprise Wi-Fi? I need to know. You're in space. How are you? Anyway, science. <laughs> the science is what bothers me the most. And did how did you did you feel? They they made a bit of an effort to make Murak the Saval's assistant. They made an effort to make him a bit green. Was it enough? No, it's not. When the Andorians are fully blue, <laughs> nothing will be enough Fair. for for the Vulcans. Give me green Vulcans. Give me green Vulcans. I'm going to strike. I'm going to go outside of the studios. Now that the Safga whatever strikes are all done, I'm going to be there with a green sign saying, make Vulcans green again. <laughs> I mean, again, doesn't work. They've never been green. Why make? Why say their blood is green if you're not going to make them green? I did find it... I don't know why they decided this episode. I mean, I do know why they decided this episode was worthy of not having a subplot. But the fact that this episode follows on from another very serious episode that also didn't need a comic subplot, I feel like, again, just highlights why why they didn't dedicate a full episode to Paul's illness, which, surprise, surprise, isn't mentioned again. Yeah, so I was thinking about it, because in this episode, when they are on the surface, I was thinking, does this guy know that Paul has this illness, and what does he think? Because if he thinks so poorly of Andorians, I can only assume that he thinks so poorly of what Paul is going through. Yeah, I mean, the High Command knows, right? That was pretty, made pretty clear. The High Command were going to be told. But were they told? Or did they tell them that it was forced on her before they contacted them? I don't remember. I don't know. You're because the one with a good memory. You'd, you'd think, you know, they have a whole discussion about her career path, um, the effect that being on Enterprise is having on her. And you'd think that, wrongly, that would be an opportune moment for him to bring that up as an argument in his favour. As right. I said wrongly, he wouldn't have been right to do so. But he doesn't bring it up. I think he doesn't know. I think they stopped it before they could tell them. I don't think the High Command... Well, I don't know. Maybe they do care about... I think it's much more likely that they just didn't mention it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they didn't. They didn't mention it. Whether he knows or not. Okay, so let's move on to awards, unless you have something else you want to say. No. Just for the record, I'm against doing the awards this episode, but he insisted, so... I don't understand why you're, you're like, it's not... We're not making light of the episode or the concept. Right. So, would you like to see a spin-off of a character? I mean, I think you could you could do a Star Trek series about this conflict. Yeah. A serious political drama. Um, you could also... I mean, I wouldn't mind following Commander Shram. He's interesting. Give me a show about him. Yeah. Uh, horniest moment. No. I think when it ended, <laughs> when the episode was over, <laughs> very hot. Line on a t-shirt. I don't do anything, no. No. Uh, will this be a contender for best slash worst episode? So you don't you this is why I'm curious as to why you didn't want to do these awards. You don't think this is a contender for best episode? Content wise, yeah. 
it's it's a hard one like the previous uh, season, uh last season yeah puta like last week's episode yeah i'm not saying it is but i think it would be in the discussion it would be you're right you're right you're right and is this an episode that you would recommend a new person getting into star trek I, I don't think so. You don't think so? I think no, because they wouldn't know what a Vulcan is. They wouldn't know what an Andorian is. I think if you don't know Vulcans, at least from what the show is showing you, it's kind of meh. I mean, not meh as in the conflict, but like if you don't know that the Vulcans pride themselves on being these stoic, emotionless figures, this episode doesn't hit the same. I think you need a, a little bit of background. Yeah, I think it doesn't hit the same, but I think it would hit in a different way. I mean, it's still a conflict. Like, I'd actually think... I mean, it's a good episode to watch. I just... Yeah. Like, I'd be interested to know what someone who isn't aware of the Vulcans or anything about the Vulcans would make of them. I mean, they would make the, the they are pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. If you don't know them, and this is the first thing you see about them, you will think that they are pieces of shit. Yeah. I know them from other things, and I think that they're pieces of shit in this episode. So. Okay. Do you have anything else you would like to add? No. Thank you for joining us this week's episode. Hope you enjoyed, and we'll be back next week with the next episode. You can follow us on Twitter, Blue Sky, TikTok, and Instagram at potmeupscotty, or email us at potmeupscotty at gmail.com. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye.